The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, with phones and laptops and smart devices in almost every home in the country, children have access to a whole array of sights and sounds online. Can we control what our young kids see? What are they seeing that we don't know about? Well, I'm joined by the Head of Policy and Public Affairs with the ISPCC, Fiona Jennings. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Um, first of all, can you control what kids see or are they always going to get around those parental controls? There's lots that um, that children and young people themselves can do and that parents can do. But I suppose, first of all, it's widely accepted that, you know, most children do have access to internet enabled devices and most children have a curiosity and, and a curiosity around this particular issue as well. And unfortunately, sometimes when they do seek it out, they can land on content that can be problematic and that is inappropriate to their age. Um, so, yes, as you mentioned, there are parental controls in place. Um, they're not always installed on devices. So that's one thing I suppose that we would encourage parents to do. Um, and that's with the support of their service provider as well to help them install those particular parental controls on their devices. But as you said, you know, children can get around these um, huh. these these at times as well. Um, so I suppose what's the response to that? Um, first of all, we would always say to talk to your child or young person around the content that they're looking at and, and the type of content that they're, that they're watching and viewing and the apps and things that they like to be on and to have an interest in them. Um, but also as well, I suppose this isn't just down to parents and that's something that's really important to remember and certainly not just down to children and young people as well. Industry have a huge role to play here, and yeah, we have. But, but our new I mean, look, there there are lots <clears throat> of ways uh, in which children can be damaged by what they see online. The uh, pornography, um, you know, skewing uh, the child's view of uh, sexual activity. There can be TikTok challenges where what is being shown on the screen of their phone, whatever, is downright dangerous. Uh, for many people who don't really understand and then the possibility of being groomed online without knowing it. All of these things. How does a, a parent approach each of these individual bits without just appearing like parents always have, uh, too controlling, they don't mm. understand me, they don't know what it's like, all my friends are doing it? Yeah, and I think that's that's really important to remember as well, that that type of approach, I suppose, especially with this issue, it doesn't necessarily um, help the situation. So we would say to parents um, to help to educate yourselves as well in terms of what's happening online. So the ISPCC has created a digital ready hub, for instance, where and it's built around really telling parents, you know, trying to educate them about what they don't know. So it's about seeking out the information yourself as well, that you do have the language to speak to your children so that they then have confidence thinking, oh, gosh, mom and dad actually know what I'm talking about. They know about these platforms. And that gives them the confidence then as well to bring those issues to you um, should, the, should the issue arise. But I suppose one thing as well that's really important and that there's been developments at the moment is at our education level. So our new RSE programme that's going to bring in an element around this particular area. We know pornographic content is hugely problematic. And as you said, it does skew um, how boys and girls both see um, themselves viewed in such content. And the new RSE programme will allow, I suppose, those thoughts and those themes to be challenged. And we know from Chiline.ie, our support site, that um, in the top 10, sexting and sexualization have been the most viewed articles in the last month. So children are hungry for this information too. Yeah, I, I mean, children before <coughs> used to get their sex education from their pals. Um, mm. 
and it was which uh, wasn't necessarily always a good thing. Not always a good thing, but not <laughs> as you know, not as explicit in any shape or form mm. than the stuff they can find online. The difficulty for a parent is, you know, when to bring up this topic. It's deeply embarrassing for parent and child. Um, do they actually go online with their child, you know, looking at the stuff and saying, now that is not the way it's supposed to be. That is exploitative. That is mi- misogynistic. Because I, I just can't imagine doing that as a parent. Uh, yeah. And look, you know, ideally, wouldn't that be a wonderful situation that we could possibly be in or that, are, that we could empower our parents to be in as well? But it's not an easy conversation to have. And we know that. And again, that's why we would encourage parents, you know, to seek out that information sooner than you actually are proposing to have those conversations or thinking about having them. Um, and arm yourself, I suppose, with the facts, with the language that you're comfortable with as well and explaining it at a level that you feel that your child is able to understand mm-hmm. it at as well mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah, the other worry that parents would have, you see, <coughs> that you, you never know what your kids are up to. That's uh, a, a given, mm-hmm. particularly in the teenage years, but even uh, younger years. Uh, by raising a topic which may not have occurred to the child, you may excite their curiosity and they'll go off looking for stuff that they might not have thought of doing. Well, I think there's ways and means of introducing, um, I suppose, the themes that we're talking about. So things like consent, things like empathy, things like respect. So those are the things that are sometimes, I suppose, not seen in pornographic content that when children and young people do seek it out. So it's about introducing those themes from a very young age so that when children are exposed to this content, they're able to somewhat critically analyse it and realise well, that's not correct. That's not appropriate. And hopefully then go on then to, you know, to use the tools that industry have in place in terms of reporting the content. Um, and also hopefully as well, coming back and talking to a trusted adult about mm. it, See, um, the, should the, they be impacted the, by it. Isn't the problem with uh, reporting content is that if the kids access sites <laughs> which are not offensive to adults, for example, you know, the free country kind of thing. And, Mm. you know, it may be distasteful to many people to watch this stuff, but it's not against the law. And yet kids find their way around the age of consent protocols put in by uh, the providers. Uh, What do you do in a situation like that where they're just landing in the wrong place? Well, I suppose that's why the ISPCC and others were really, I suppose, strong and robust in lobbying for the new Online Safety Commissioner and the provisions within the Online Safety and Media Regulation Act. So now we have a call for inputs by Uncommission for the first binding online safety code that's going to deal with this. So it's going to deal with harmful content so that industry will have to be much more robust in terms of how they um, age sure the children and young people that are using their products and services. So that's first thing that's really important. And also as well that they're going to have to put in more robust measures in terms of how this content or I suppose limiting the co- this type of content being served up to those users as well. But as well it's important as well that we talk to children about why these age restrictions are in place that there are safeguard measures there um, that do I suppose offer some level of protection. But as you said, that, you know, sometimes their natural curiosity would yeah. want them to seek it out. I mean, you know, just back in a more innocent age uh, that uh, kids would always want to get a drink before they're old enough to get a drink, always want to go to see the over 12 movie when they're under 12. It's just the way kids develop, you know, they, they, they want to kind of uh, get around the restrictions. 
Yeah, and I suppose, you know, the, the, from a child development point of view and ages and stages, and that's always going to be there. And I suppose what we can try to do is try to put the best safeguards in place for every generation, you know, as it comes around. Um, and again, you know, we're firm believers in that having those conversations as early as possible with children, um, particularly, and I suppose as well, you know, as parents and guardians, we have a certain level of control as well in terms of how children can access internet-enabled devices. Um, so I know UNESCO will have just come out this morning in terms of a smartphone ban for primary school-age children. Um, so there's different, I suppose, movements happening as well. Um, but with purchasing devices and giving that access, you know, we'd always kind of say to parents or, you know, think about the three C's, consider why your child might need the device, you know, put conditions in place around how they would use it and conversations as well around what they will be using on it. So it may not be, you know, social media platforms. It may be games. It may be other activities that they want to do on it. And it's about introducing that type of behaviour, I suppose, and activities gradually as well, not just a free reign on it. Fiona Jennings, Head of Policy and Public Affairs with the ISPCC. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.